Hi, and welcome to Global Impact, a podcast designed to help you find the freedom to accomplish more with your life, increase the productivity of your team, and make a difference in the lives of people around the world. I'm your host, J.W. Oliver, and I thank you for joining us. Hi, this is J.W. Oliver with Global Impact. Super excited. Got a friend and a a fellow board member, uh, Mr. Scott Dixon. Uh, Scott, how are you today? Doing great, J.W. Well, fantastic. I want to tell about Scott. He's been involved in every mode of the transport industry that carries people. His specialty is air travel. He served as a senior executive with airlines, consulting firms, and now he helps coordinate aviation-related technology projects for a global IT company. He's worked in 85 countries. Scott has also a deep commitment to ministry in the workplace and to advancing the gospel among the nations. He serves on the board of Global Action, an organization that makes disciples through training Christian leaders. That's a mouthful, Scott. You got a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been a real quiet life. <laughs> well, yeah, traveling to 85 countries, that's that's uh, that's saying a lot just right there. Yeah, I've had a very travel-oriented uh, existence, and uh, it's been great to uh, see so many corners of the world and be able to you know, uh, carry on in business and it uh, also helps the uh, church grow a bit here and there wherever God has sent me. Well, I met Scott, we both serve on, on Global Action, which is just an unbelievable organization. If you want to know more, definitely go check out globalaction.com. And uh, I always resist serving on most boards that I'm asked to serve on. Uh, Scott, I'm sure you may be in the same boat. And if, if I don't have a real heart for it, I just don't feel like I can, you know, belly up to the bar, so to speak, and be involved in it because I can't commit the time or if I don't believe in the, the mission as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. And uh, Global Action has been a great blessing in my life. And it really, uh, well, I, I'm not a pastor. Uh, and, you know, the focus of Global Action is training leaders, developing pastors, giving them a, you know, an education, and especially those in developing nations. Um, I come from a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor of a large Presbyterian church, and so I got exposure early on and often to uh, the needs of pastors around the world because dad had a very big uh, global outreach. So I got sensitized to that early. So I'm very committed to global action vision to uh, train and raise up leaders, which is so desperately needed. Yeah, um, and the, the, the nice thing about Global Action, which really translates into what we're doing, I'm, I, you've been involved with Global Action since I believe 2001, is that correct? Yeah, actually I have been. First board meeting was like two weeks after 9-11, which, <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty wild. Yeah, so I, I very graphically remember when you started with Global Action. Well, I definitely would be the, well, I'm not the newest member on there. I'm, I've been there a year and a half, but uh, we've got one newer than me now, I believe. So, uh, but it's a just a, a, a great group to serve with. And that's a little bit what I want to talk about. We were actually on a, on a board meeting call a couple of weeks ago. We were having to do it remotely with this new COVID chaos, as I like to call it. And uh, we were talking about Scott's book when he was an airline executive and the book is called never give up the seven principles for christian christians leading in tough times and uh we we brought it up because 
the country, the world's going through some tough times, going through some, as I say, some chaos at the current uh, levels. And, and this book was written at a different time with a different set of circumstances coming out of a 9-11 mentality. And, and, and your book here was called Never Give Up. So talk a little bit about your impetus to write that book and, and, and what motivated you to do that as well. Sure. Well, I, I never really set out to write a book, um, uh, but it grew out of uh, not only my business career, but also my experience being a airline CEO and being in uh, New York City on 9-11 and uh, being an eyewitness to a lot of what happened uh, on that tragic day. So uh, out of the combination of those two, a um, publisher actually approached me and asked me to write the book. So we, we uh, but not specifically about 9-11, but really to draw on, draw on principles that would uh, help uh, leaders, uh, especially leaders who are operating from a, a Christian point of view uh, in their careers. Because uh, we all face you know, challenging times. 9-11 uh, you know, was a bit of the genesis of the book, but uh, I was also leading airlines from the 2008 economic downturn, which was pretty devastating to that industry. And then here we are again uh, in this COVID time, and. Uh, I'm still engaged with air travel all from a different point of view, but seeing um, this industry is like a really unprecedented and difficult time. Yeah, I, uh, I I can't imagine when I, when I, I during the, the, the board meeting, I, I jumped on Amazon, ordered it, had it a couple of days later, and I told Scott, I read it over the weekend. I was like, man, I got to get you on this podcast. You've got a great story. But the neatest story, you just kind of casually mentioned it there, but it's, it's worth mentioning is, you flew in to New York City, uh, I guess maybe like LaGuardia Airport. You flew in late the night before 9-11. Is that right? And I think you flew in like at midnight or something. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I um, was the CEO of this little airline called Vanguard, uh, which operated out of Kansas City, Missouri. We had a small nationwide network. And I was headed to uh, LaGuardia, headed to New York City for a meeting on 9-11 with some bankers and with our chief shareholder because we needed to inject some liquidity into this little airline and um, we were going to negotiate a, you know, a deal on, on 9-11 so uh, I took off uh, from Kansas City on one of our flights on uh, the evening of the 10th and uh, yeah it was quite late uh, it'd been raining and everything was delayed going into LaGuardia so we uh, flew in we were probably two three hours late because of all the uh, weather and air traffic issues and I was riding up in the cockpit with the crew because you could do that back then. And we happened to break out of the cloud cover just opposite the uh, Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, uh, probably about eh, 1, 12, 31 a.m. Uh, on the 11th. And uh, you know, we are marking it yeah, very quickly that uh, what a beautiful sight that was. And a little bit, I know that probably about eight hours or less later, they would cease to exist. So that was a, a pretty, uh, amazing set of circumstances for that day and then as we were walking to the meeting with the uh, to go to the investment meeting uh, uh, literally things came crashing down and uh, obviously we we did not cut any kind of deals that day uh, or ever because <laughs> there was absolutely no one who wanted to invest in the airline industry for quite some time thereafter so well, and, and, and and that's probably a good way to segue this story you had you had recently uh, taken over as the the CEO of Vanguard Airlines, which had 1,100 employees. Uh, was you, you and, and from reading the story, you, for about eight months, you had it making a profit, 
the, the airlines was moving in the right direction. You were looking for some cash to inject, the airlines was growing, and then, wow, everything changed in a day quickly, didn't it? Yeah, literally, in minutes. Yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, the airline was getting its act together. It had been a bit rudderless for seven or eight years, but uh, just a little bit before I joined the company, uh, I joined knowing it would be a term, but it was also, focused on a better business plan and uh, looks like there was some upside to it. But 9-11 uh, threw a, a major monkey into those work. Well, and 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 you you survived for, was it about eight or nine more months after that? I mean, you, you y'all were struggling, putting it together. And uh, I know from reading the book, uh, you, you definitely had a, a, a passion and desire, not just to keep the business afloat, but your concern was really the employees. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in a small company like that, I mean, it sounds like a, a biggish company, but you, you know, you get to know a lot of the people personally uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, yeah, it was really about serving the people. And we had a lot of great customers. We had a lot of customers booked to fly with us. But, uh, you know, the, the cash flow situations being what they were and dealing with credit card companies when you don't have a whole lot of liquidity is pretty challenging. So. Uh, everything kind of came together and we had ultimately had to shut the airline down and go into uh, chapter 11. So that was that was a heartbreaking day, uh, no doubt. I mean, I actually had to stand up in front of the news media uh, on my birthday. Wow. In July of 2002 and announced the shutdown of the airline. So that was a, not one of my better birthdays, but uh, God had better, better you know, some amazing things in store. So it was not the end by any means. Well, I, I, you you mentioned something, and I'm, I'm I kind of outline some notes, and I always do this because I love some so many parts of the story. You mentioned when you were really struggling during that time of of, of having to contemplate what to do at Vanguard. And I can't imagine. I've I've uh, I've had a company that was on the brink of disaster when I had 35 employees and, and 60 employees actually, and. And those are those are tough times because you're more concerned about their well-being. I always say when you have, you know, if you have a hundred employees, you probably have four people per family, so that maybe affects four hundred lives. So you know, you with eleven hundred, you're, you know, you're talking four or five thousand lives that that business was affected. But I remember you telling about the story in Colorado Springs. You and your wife had taken a quick break, had gone up to Pikes Peak. Uh, tell us about that moment because it centered around a Christian painting, a Thomas Kincaid painting, I believe it's called Perseverance. Mm -hmm. um, kind of tell that story because I think that's revealing that when when we're in business and we're we're having to make some of those tough decisions, that's when we really need to lean on God more than we ever have before. And, and tell about that experience and how that brought kind of some some light, literally some light on the uh, the answer for you. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it was a pressure cooker, no doubt, when you're in those situations. And so my wife and I. Finally took a weekend away and went over to Colorado Springs and uh, we ended up going up uh, Pikes Peak and uh, uh, during that time there was just uh, really an almost supernatural, very godly thing. I mean, we were just really felt the presence of the Lord as we were on top of the mountain. It was a literal mountaintop experience. And then uh, coming down the mountain, we uh, decided to stop at a little gift shop that we uh, do because I've been in that area many, many times over many decades and uh, they happened to sell Thomas Kincaid paintings and so we spotted one called Perseverance 
which is amazing. It still hangs not too far from where I'm sitting right now in our home. It was a picture of a, a little sailboat that was uh, in rough weather, but in the distance you could see the calm. And it was making its way ever so slowly and steadily into the calm. It was about, it was about perseverance, sticking it out through the hard times so you could emerge into the calm. So it really spoke to us. It really gave us a lot of encouragement. And I think the other thing that I, I used to do was uh, when I was in Kansas City, in the midst of the pressure cooker, JW was uh, literally, I went to Leavenworth every, almost every other day. Uh, right, I remember reading that, yep. Yeah, it was uh, Leavenworth is just across the river. Now wait a minute, let me let me uh, let me let me help him out there. He didn't go into Leavenworth, the prison. It was the city of Leavenworth. Is it, it was the city of right? Leavenworth, but the prison is there, and yeah. it, it turns out that there is this lovely little park right along the Missouri River, which flows through Leavenworth, and it was a very peaceful place to go and just listen to God and pray after you know long brutal days trying to figure out how to save this airline. And, uh, and take care of try and get government bailout money, which was available back then as well. Uh, so it was just a very lovely place to go, quiet. I could just watch the river flow by, and you'd see deer and fox roaming around, and, and just, you just sit quietly and pray and, and, you know, listen to what the Lord wanted you to do and decompress a bit. So it's kind of ironic. There I was in the shadow of this big old prison, but uh, it was a very peaceful spot to go. And, so that's you know, one of the things I really, uh, you know, urge leaders in times of crisis to do is just get away, get God's perspective, find that quiet place wherever it might be, whether it's on a mountain or in a park or in your backyard or wherever. You just have to take time to uh, to get God's direction up there because He's got a plan. Well, and I read this, and there's right in the, one of the first chapters you talk about destructive fear says the kind of fear that inhibits us from being what God intends for us to be in all areas of our life, including business. And there's no doubt we as, especially as men, right? We're the fixers. We, we view problems like, Hey, I've got a solution. Let me, let me do this. That'll get it out. And, and we'll just move on. But the, the, the problem is, I don't think, I know I'm speaking for myself, many, most of the time I've not seek sought out the wise counsel of God and I've made some poor decisions. So, um, getting away and just taking some time to, to, to get away from the people and the, the noise, if you will, and get that by that quiet park, that, that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes a massive difference. Um, you know, fear is, in, the, in these crisis times, it is the prevalent emotion. Um, it's, uh, you know, and it's very destructive and negative. It hangs around for a long time. We're all confronted by it. And, you know, I think we see it manifest right now as we're going through the COVID situation, showing up in all kinds of ways, you know, interpersonally and socially and business, public policy matters. And so um, you, you have to get away and get get the perspective. You don't want to live in the in the midst of fear. And I think you know, you've got to find people to talk to, uh, pray with. I mean, fortunately, my wife is a fabulous person who has a deep, deep, Faith and uh, I can talk to her and, and I could talk to her then and, uh, and find other folks in your orbit, you know, business colleagues who share a common faith, uh, we're able to make some friends with well, a couple or three pastors in the Kansas City area that we got close to and to talk to them as well. So there are many different ways to deal with that fear, but you know, don't let it eat you alive because fear will inevitably drive you to make poor decisions and you have to be able to make right decisions, even though they don't sometimes make sense.
if they're God's calling, they will ultimately make sense. But sometimes in the moment, you don't always see the truth. Well, I, I would think that's a good evidence. I mean, this book called Never Give Up and right out of the shoot, you know, you you talk about Winston Churchill and I, and I love that, you know, his, he, he was, it was the short, as I always say, it was the shortest speech he ever made. He says, never get up, never give up. Let me continue by saying never, never give up. And in conclusion, I say to you, never, never, never give up. And and, and he sat down to a roarous applause. And, and I think that even when you look at Vanguard, uh, you, you took those necessary steps. You, you found the wise counsel. Uh, you, you didn't let fear control you. And, and ultimately, you had to make a decision. You had to, in, in your book, you say, remember step four was taking your best shot. Uh, but it doesn't always work out the way we want it to in our mind. Vanguard did not make it. Uh, you pushed every way to make it. But how do you how do you come to grips for yourself? I mean, you're the CEO of the airlines, right? Um, it's easy to see that uh, the, the man in charge always gets the, what do they say, rarely gets the credit, but always gets the blame, right? Mm -hmm. um, so how did you deal with that, knowing that you had given it your best shot and it didn't work out? How, what kind of a mood did that set you in or, or how did that affect you going forward? Well, I mean, it was massively disappointing. I'm not going to, uh, you know, paint a picture otherwise, JW. Uh, and it was it was not easy. I mean, you go away and you kind of lick your wounds for a while. But over time, I've learned that God redeems situations. And you know, when you pray about something, you know, you're really in it for the long haul with God. I mean, every now and then we we're blessed with those immediate answers, but more often than not, God's got you know God's plan takes you through a period of time and you just have to uh, in a sense almost just tough it out um, you know, with respect to Vanguard while well, we you know it never was resurrected we tried to bring it back to life uh, but there was just no there were no takers there was no white knight from the best point of view who wanted to invest in a little airline at that point in time but a few years later a rival airline uh, was looking for somebody to help bolster their leadership team and so they approached me because they were very impressed with what we had done during the time we were around. And uh, so I joined that airline. Uh, it, it was run by a, a dear friend who was a strong Christian. And uh, over time, we actually reopened a lot of our operation in Kansas City under this new brand. And were able to rehire some, not all, but some of our former employees. So there was definitely redemption there. Uh, it just took several years to work it through. So that was an amazing lesson to me. Uh, so I now constantly am looking for the long, into the future, into the, looking at things from a longer term perspective, knowing that the answer uh, is going to be worked out by God. It never, it, it never comes in the time frame we expect. It always comes in His timing. So, you know, after well, all these years of finally learning that lesson. <laughs> well, it's, it, I, I love uh, John Maxwell's book, uh, more so the title, Failing Forward. And, 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 and I think that's really important to remember. If, if we remember that, that failure is an event, it's not a person, that, to me, that's always been something that stuck out. I think it was a Zig Ziglar saying, you know, back in the day where he said, you know, failure is an event, it's not a person. And once you realize that, then I think that, that makes it easier. You mentioned about getting God's perspective, which is one of the chapters in here, and, and I love your your approach. It was it was number one was start by praising God. Number two was talk to God honestly about the distress you were feeling over your circumstances. 
and then probably my favorite one is the third one. It says, "Be quiet and listen," and yeah. and and that's the one I, I I just mess that one up every time. You know, it's it's uh, it's like, uh, you know, okay, I prayed. Okay, God, here's the deal. Okay, God, I got a plan. Let me tell you what it's going to be. Here's the plan, and, and that's the that's where I just completely lose it. Is is my plan? So. Um, uh, that's amazing and it sounds like that's obviously what you did in this circumstance was you were quiet and you listened yeah uh, yes I mean, <laughs> it's a learned trait uh, you know and I've, I've been impetuous and, uh, you know, I grew up uh, planning and strategizing and developing business plans so you kind of think okay God can do it one of three or four or five ways well guess what he always finds the other way that you've never thought of to do it and do it better so, uh, yeah, I'm taking some time to learn, but it's a lesson I've learned and hopefully learned well. Um, you have to understand the big picture uh, yeah. uh, that God has for the world. And uh, you know, it's about advancing his kingdom ultimately. And sometimes you get stuck in, in places, in you know, opportunities and situations that uh, you don't expect, you think make no sense, but it's ultimately for his plan. Well. And, and, and during that plan, I'm assuming back with the, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm focusing on the Vanguard. You've had, you've had many other uh, successful ventures as well uh, since then, but just because this one was about the time of that book, but there was some guidelines. And, and actually I heard this on a, a, a Craig Rochelle leadership podcast. He was talking very similar about these things. Of course, you were way before Craig Rochelle. So, so, so this wasn't copied from his material, um, but it says, communicate truthfully even when it's painful to do so um and and it, and it talked about one of the you went back to winston churchill and, and it, there was a quote in here that said churchill was honest brutally honest when he told the people i have nothing to offer but blood toil tears and sweat and i think that's something we don't do i, I didn't do early on in my career either is is I, I tended to sugarcoat things and uh yeah hey we're doing great man we're just really everything's gonna be great and because I'm an eternal optimist and, you know, we're moving forward. But in reality, uh, yes, we have to have some optimism. Yes, we have to have confidence. I think that's important. But in your book, you really you really talk about being honest and open uh, with the people you're leading. And I think that's really important. Again, open with them, tell them the facts, but doing it with confidence as well. Yes, yeah, and you look for unique ways to do that too. Uh, we, you know, back in the Vanguard days, when we were trying to emerge from 9/11, and the life was changing for us every single day. We would have, you know, large employee forums where, you know, I could do, uh, you know, Q and A with our employees. And uh, after, at night, after my day job ended, I would sometimes go over to the airport and just help check in customers, and throw bags, and uh, that way I could interact with another group of employees who maybe didn't get the message before or when I flew, you know, I could ride up in the cockpit, talk to the flight crews, um, and have candid conversations with them. And then, you know, and the message would then circulate throughout the organization. So, you know, there are many different ways to do that. And, you know, the other caveat I always have to mention is when you're in a publicly traded corporation like we were, you had to be careful when you said publicly. And so I, you know, you always tell the truth, tell it honestly, but do it with Good legal counsel as well. It makes you just stay within the bounds of the priority. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, I, 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 what I got out of that it was this: the, the interesting was, you, you know, uh, 
speak, com communicate often, you know, communicate often, communicate honestly, and then communicate with confidence. And I think those three things, uh, you know, like right now, I know we, we've got a, a group of our team that works out of Africa and, and we're having a once a week meeting. I do a little Zoom meeting and everybody comes into the, you know, we've got a couple of hundred that come in and listen to the call. And, and it's just me talking with one or two others. And we're, we're talking about where we're at. Hey, we're talking about how we're going to pull out of this. And, you know, we've lost a few clients, but we're going to resurface. And but we're, we're trying to speak to them often and we're trying to speak to them, you know, honestly, hey, here's where we're at today. I can't guarantee your jobs, but we're working on it. We're going to try to displace you, but we're also doing it confidently, knowing uh, and, and we're a we're an outwardly Christian company. Uh, we give uh, I told you earlier, we give 51 percent of our profits back into ministry. And, and our point is we want to. You know, we, we want to be the win-win, win for them, uh, win for our, the company they're working for, and then a win for ministries like Global uh, Action is as well, or the given to Global Action. So I think those three things come out of it is how can we communicate, especially right now. Now, we, we talk about where we're at today in the middle of this chaos, and there's a lot of people worried. There's a lot of people who don't know if their job's going to last. Uh, if we do get this stimulus money, you know, this $350 billion, or I get my $1,200 from my paycheck or my $3,000, uh, you know, what would do? What would you tell people, Scott, in terms of the, the unforeseen or the unknown and, and, and what they should be doing right now, as there's a little bit of uncertainty? You've obviously been there before, so your perspective is, is, is uh, very helpful. Well, my, my strong advice is really and, and, and you know, I know that sounds like a very trite thing to say, but you know, talking to God is, is all is very, very powerful because we need to, you know, we're not going to convince God to do something different. He's got an immutable plan. We need to tap into His power source, and His His direction and wisdom. So seek that, and sometimes you're going to be led to do things that you wouldn't expect. I mean, there, you know, I, you know, you may end up having to change careers or move to a different place. Uh, you know, my my life has taken me to working in places like El Salvador and Bolivia and uh, Canada and things that you know I would never have expected I would be doing. And so hold your your life, your career, your job in an open palm and not with a clenched fist. Let God move you, do with you with what He's going to do. It can be a little bit scary. There's no question that you could be taken. But ultimately, you'll take it in a strange direction, but ultimately you'll see that it really is for the best. So communicate with God, listen to Him, be willing to obey. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but uh, you know, get godly counsel too from wise friends. Don't try and go it alone. Try and you know, talk to people you regard as, as being wise and, uh, and being tapped into the Lord's wisdom. And, uh, uh, he'll, he'll show you the right direction, ultimately. But uh, change is going to happen in every one of these situations, whether it was 9 11 or 2008 economic crisis or COVID crisis, where inevitably there will be change. And um, uh, so don't, don't be afraid of it. And uh, it can be a little daunting initially, but if God's got you, God has you in the palm of your hand, and He is not going to let you go and let you down. So be faithful. Well, I, I, I think it's interesting. Um, many times change, we, we may resist it. Most of us do, but, but change is natural. 
changes it comes around often and and you really have to embrace that as you said i'm a big believer in embrace the change that's coming uh, god's got a plan for you especially if you're listening to him uh that, that he's going to have a plan for you to redirect and, and sometimes you end up in a better situation right you you may think you've got that dream job and then the next thing you know you're thinking wow i'm glad this happened in in, in my short career i'm you know, short career, I'm pretty old now, but I've seen about every 10 years, there's some kind of a big change in the economy. There's some event, whether it's 9-11 or COVID or the, the impact in 07, 08, or you go back to the old, you know, there was the big old problems in the early 80s and, you know, the 70s we had all kinds. So, you know, there's every every decade, it seems like there's something. So we can't be fearful of that. We, we should be prepared, I believe. We should be much better prepared when it comes. and. And part of that is preparing our hearts because uh, that's probably where we we get we get hammered the most is on our our feelings and we can't react to as much to feelings. But you mentioned three things, and and I'm a big believer in these three things, Scott. It's it's um, wise. I've, I've got three things. It's wise counsel. Don't wallow in your misery, and if, if financial issues, then give. But speaking to that wise counsel, you just mentioned it too. You know, if you if you're needing it advice in your business, your 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 marriage, your uh, physical fitness, or your, you know, you're wanting to, some technology that you need, you need to go to some wise counsel that can help you. And so if it's about something spiritual, yeah, surround yourself. First of all, I say surround yourself with good Christian friends, business leaders who are going to help you make the right decision. But we got to seek that wise counsel. And, and it's in today's world, you've got my goodness, there's there's all kinds of positive podcasts out there. There's great books to read, like Read Never Give Up by Scott Dixon. That put that one at the top. Uh, but there's all kinds of things we can do, and then seeking that wise counsel. And, and and I'm certain that you probably had to do that many times at Vanguard. Oh, uh, constantly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, there were you know constantly talking to my staff. Um, you know they. They saw different parts of the business. They had experience that we could draw upon, um, and you need to rely on them. You know, you don't have to be the person who does everything. You know, I uh, we had a CFO who was really, really good at managing cash through hard times. It was amazing what he could do, and so you know, you constantly rely on on people like that. Or my head of planning and scheduling, he was very sharp to figure out, you know. Where, where's the next best opportunity for us? So don't, you know, you don't have to solve all the problems yourself, bring, surround yourself with wise people. And then into that mix, you know, I tried to bring in some friends that were deep spiritually, uh, two or three pastors, as I mentioned before, who I could count on for, for prayer and, and uh, you know, spiritual guidance. So you, know, you want to mix and, you know, don't you always don't want to stay within your own age bracket or within your own, yeah. yeah wherever your own neighborhood uh you know stretch yourself move out find others you know they're older younger different from you but yet you exhibit godly yeah no i think that's i think that's great advice is is, is seeking out those people I, I really talk about that a lot in, in my own uh, work and with our own team is is you know find find the right people surround yourself with the right people i tell my kids that uh look at the people you know I, our pastor says your 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 fab five friends and i say yeah you need to look at the five people that are closest to you and is that who you want to be like and if it's not you might you might need some new friends so make sure that you have uh wise counsel 
your second point was don't wallow in your misery. I, I think that's something, oh, I guess that's that, that must be our nature, our character, our humanness, uh, that we just love to just wallow in our misery and tell everybody about how bad it is and how awful we're doing. And, and you, you just can't find yourself staying there very long. No, you can't. And sometimes you need help getting out of that place. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be human if I didn't admit that I found myself in that situation more than once. But you need someone who can you know, kind of lovingly kick you out of there and tell you the truth. And sometimes it requires a bit of a jolt. Uh, but that, those are the kind of people you want around you. People who will speak truth to you uh, in, in a loving way. But uh, sometimes they have to be firm and get your attention. Yeah, um, I, I just, you're right. So <laughs> just, just sometimes you got to just get out of that mode, and sometimes it takes maybe your, your your spouse. And I'm like you, my wife would finally look at me and say, "Hey, I've just had about enough of that. It's time to move on." And uh, oh, okay, well, yeah, I need to I need to giddy up on that one a little bit. Your, your last one was, uh, or the third part of that was, if financial give, and and that's interesting. I uh, I've learned that the hard way going through financial tough times years and years ago, I, I wanted to just, okay, I got to, what, got to kick living to the church. I got to quit uh, tithing. I need to quit helping out these organizations. But in recent, uh, my most recent time, I say recent time, 10 years ago, I actually increased my giving. And it was amazing how that released a lot of the financial pressure. So tell about what you mean by that. You know, if it's a, if it's a financial pressure, you say give. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God really blesses it. I, you know, I guess if I've got a spiritual gift, uh, you know, God's given my, my wife and I gifts of giving. We just love to give. I mean, we're not fabulously wealthy, but, you know, we, we try and really do what we can do and then go and then some. And we learned that early in our marriage. I mean, we were going through some really tough financial times. I mean, really tough financial times. And uh, we were touched by a Christian ministry, so we pledged to give us some money to that ministry. But uh, it seemed like our situation turned further south uh, after having made that pledge. And the, we actually received that exact sum of money from another from an unexpected source. And so the temptation was to want to use it to meet our own immediate needs. But we gave it to the ministry anyway. But it wasn't after a lot of soul search. It was uh, we had done a lot of soul search to do that, believe me. But in having done that, we just, within six months, our situation turned around so dramatically. Um, you know, new career opportunities, uh, just amazing uh, help from friends uh, and family that we never would have expected. So it was a real lesson to us early on in our, our young married life of three little boys that if we were to give in situations that uh, you, know, you could not you could see your way out of things, and God was going was to move. Again, you know, the timing is always His, but uh, we were we were so blessed, so we continue to try and apply that principle to this day. So it's, it's really a joy to be able to do that, and, you know, especially when, you know, we've got a great ministry that you and I both around to, uh, to support the global action. Yeah, I, I, and, and, and I'll kind of, uh, kind of the segue into that, uh, that's the neat thing about businesses. And that's an, whether you're, you don't have to be the business owner, you can be the CEO of the company, you could be uh, uh, directing the leadership of the company, you could be in a position where 
uh, you're on the board uh, of a company, or you could you could obviously own it. But there's so many ways that that businesses can make a true kingdom impact and can be kingdom builders. And I think it's important. You know, I went to, uh, I remember it's been, uh, let's see, 2011. So it was shortly after the, the earthquake in Haiti. And uh, I'd gone down there with a friend and I'd never been to a country like that before. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? It's, it's literally the poorest country I've ever been to. And I ended up getting involved in a, in a, in a ministry there. And I, uh, started a nonprofit there, and, and, and we still help some children in that area who go into some higher education. But I remember about a year after I had gone there, and I'd just come out of some financial difficulty two or three years before, two years before maybe, and uh, I was kind of rethinking about what I was going to do. And I remember thinking, you know what, I'm just going to sell everything, and I'm just going to move down to Haiti. Uh, I'm just going to go down there and love on those kids and help with this orphanage. And, 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 you know, it's kind of one of those things like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. And then in my prayer time, going back to that wise counsel, it was as clear as <laughs> speaking audibly to me, the Lord said, well, what good is that going to do? So you're going to go down there and help them. But what I really need you to do is run your business tithe and make those offerings so that you can help those people financially. That's what they really need. They need to be helped. So we can't all be missionaries in the field. We, we, we can't all go out and, and serve and we can all take trips and, and, and do lots of things that are, you know, obviously very admirable. But I think one of the biggest ways we can impact uh, ministries is by donating to those ministries. And we do that through our, through our work. And, and, and that's what you've done with uh, your career. It's what I've more recently turned doing with, with, with my business is being able to say, hey, how can this really impact the kingdom? And, and I think that's what it's all about. That's for sure what Global Actions is all about is making a difference in the kingdom. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, I've had the privilege of being in an awful lot of countries and seeing what's going on with the local churches and um, uh, or just general social conditions in these countries and your heart really goes out. And so it's a real incentive to want, want to be able to, uh, to give, but you need a focal point to do that because you can't do everything yourself. You yeah. can learn that very quickly in life. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, thank God that he brought global action uh, into my life because uh, through global action, we've been able to do some amazing things with amazing people. Uh, training thousands of leaders and uh, you know the, the body of Christ is growing massively you know, somewhere between say 1500,000 people a day are coming to faith wow. Christ and they need leadership they need trained leaders and you know not everybody can go to seminary uh, but the global actions come up with this very creative way to, to train leaders and give them the basics uh, on how to be an effective pastor you know, how to teach the Bible how to run a church and, uh, and, you know, it brings some stability and, and a little more uh, depth into the situation. And otherwise, you you know, these congregations would probably come apart. They would oftentimes drift back to their old systems. But uh, with, with this, we can truly see sustained growth within the church that has you know, stickiness to it. People are more inclined to you know, stay with and grow in their faith when they've got trained leaders. So it's been really exciting 
see global action and, and see how our ministries have multiplied over the years. Yeah, and, and I, I tell you, talk about wise counsel. Uh, I, I, I probably, uh, very seldom do I miss the, 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 the bi-weekly um, prayer time, and then I always make the, the board meetings. And, and the, one of the reasons is, man, talk about a great group of guys and, and women who are helping to serve on on those teams and who are directing that ministry. And, and that makes you want to get involved because now you see the wisdom of that ministry being directed as well. And, and I know all of them, everybody on that board's got a servant's heart. They're, they're all very generous. And uh, so Global Action's an, a, a, a neat organization to be a part of. Uh, that, that's how your, your, your trails converge too. You know, the reason I'm sitting here talking to you is uh, 20 years ago, uh, Rick Thompson, a pastor in Oklahoma City, who's also the president of Global Action, he and I were workout partners for many, many years. And, you know, we worked out at the gym together and uh, I, di I didn't even go to his church. That was the funny thing. We were good friends, but, but I didn't go to church. We just met at the gym and uh, we reconnected and uh, he got, got involved in a little bit of what we're doing over in, in Africa and, and, and then got me involved with the board. So that's how God works too. And talk about letting change happen that's an example of, of letting change happen in your life too as well so well scott you've got a a really cool story i think you need to this book was written in 2004 uh if you don't rewrite it i'm just going to copy everything you wrote and just reprint it because it's a really good book i was uh super impressed with it and uh i i think uh everybody who is if they read it you got a very good perspective on the, the never give up, you've proven that time and time again. And, and I'll have to say, you're making a, a global impact uh, through global action and, and also your work with your, your current company now and that you're able to, to, to live outwardly your, your Christian faith too. Well, thank you. It's been a great privilege to have a conversation with you about all this. And, uh, it's been it's great to be a fellow board member with you and uh, with a lot of other great folks who uh, make global action happen. Well, thank you, Scott. And, and we know that uh, this current situation is going to pass. It's going to get through another one of those hard times. So we just encourage you, don't give up on this one. It too will change and, and it's going to turn around. And the and number one thing is the Lord has a plan. Scott, thank you for being with us. And uh, we just wish the best for you as you're, my gosh, you, you probably got another 50 years of careers left. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> At least 49. <laughs> At least 49. That's right. Well, thanks again for joining us. We, it was an honor to have Scott uh, with us on the show today, and we wish you a super impactful week ahead. Thanks again for joining us on another edition of Global Impact. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Deezer and follow us on Facebook. Links will be in the description below. Until next time, stay inspired, stay motivated, and make an impact.